Welcome back to Those Happy Places, the podcast that treats theme parks, rides, and attractions like literature. I'm Buddy Duquesne. And I'm Alice White. And Alice, guess what? What? I believe that as one of the nation's foremost scholars on theme parks, rides, and attractions, and Mm -hmm. how they can be treated like literature, I have stumbled upon a great and powerful secret of theme park design. Well, I can't wait to learn more. Why don't you tell me? I would like to, but first I would like to thank our outstanding Patreon backers, especially those of them that are backing us at the D-ticket level. Yes, Charles Gustine and Aslam Chaudhry are backing us at that level, and they are uh, gentlemen and scholars and wonderful, wonderful people, as are all our Patreon subscribers and, of course, all our listeners. Yes, uh, and if you want to support the show like Charles and Aslam are, feel free to head on over to patreon.com slash thosehappyplaces to check out the tiers. So, Alice. Yes. I would like to present to you the Duquesne Taxonomy of Theme Park Guests. Ooh, it sounds so fancy. Yes, uh, and this is based on an existing theory of game design called the Bartle Taxonomy of Players. Uh, This was invented by a guy named Richard Bartle, uh, a game designer himself and also a researcher, uh, in a paper that he wrote in 1996. Uh, And he wrote this paper after um, observing the ways that players behaved on what was then called a MUD, or a multi-user dungeon, one of the uh, earliest forms of uh, massively multiplayer online games. Um, And he was noticing that there were basically four kinds of players in the game. And what Uh, were those four players? Those four kinds of players were socializers, achievers, explorers, and killers. Ooh. Uh, And those four kinds of players kind of formed the main four tasks that people undertook while playing this video game. Um, And it was an interesting way to look at player populations because... The thing about multi massively multiplayer online games is that they are essentially designed worlds in which players can interact in any number of ways. And that reminded me of theme parks. Um, and very quickly, the connections in my head started building. And I was like, this absolutely describes the way that uh, theme parks appeal to multiple kinds of guests. Well, that sounds about right. Uh, Things like socializers, explorers, and achievers all make sense to me uh, as not a gamer or not not someone who has ever played a a MMORPG um, as somebody who maybe wants to be social or explore the world or achieve as many things as possible. But what does killers mean? Killers doesn't work. So the... Uh, one of the main changes between the Bartle taxonomy and the Duquesne taxonomy mm-hmm. uh, is that killers will be uh, replaced with what I want to call challengers. Ooh. Uh, so we'll get a little bit more into that soon. And I actually want to take it one step farther. 
I don't know if Achievers works as well as I want it to. Oh, okay. I'd like to replace. Yeah, I'd like to replace Achievers with Collectors. Oh, okay. So challengers, collectors, socializers, and explorers. Yes. Uh, I'm going to leave socializers and explorers because I think they still work uh, and are very, very closely entwined with what theme park design is all about. So I'm going to leave those there. Um, And let me let me be clear. I'm being a little cheeky and I'm uh, definitely taking more credit than I deserve for <laughs> talking about this. We're we're just using the Bartle taxonomy as a way to talk about um, theme parks. And I'm not saying that the Duquesne taxonomy of players or of uh, theme park guests is some official thing and that I'm some foremost scholar. But if anybody wants <laughs> no, to borrow it I, from me, I uh, feel free. Good. I think it's good. And we'll post a, a chart of this uh, up on the Twitter account at Happy Places Pod. So yeah. you can see it laid out uh, in, in 2D and yeah. might help you understand this episode a little better. Yeah, because there's also kind of an X, Y axis happening here as well. Um, for Bartle, the X axis uh, says on one side there is interaction with the players and on the other end is interaction with the world right um so for our x-axis we might put guests and park on either end respectively sure and the y-axis is called uh on one end interacting and the other end acting so for uh whether you are uh having effect on on the world around you or uh or just experiencing the world around you, right? right? That would be yeah, acting exactly. and interacting. So those are the ways that these players kind of differentiate themselves. Um, so for theme park guests, let's start at the beginning. Uh, I'm going to talk about collectors. Okay. So the, the uh, parallel here is to achievers, right? So for Bartle, uh, achievers would be the sort of player that are interested in completing the game as well as possible, as thoroughly as possible. Uh, They are the achievement hunters of today, the people who try to get the platinum trophy or the 100% achievement on every game they play. Uh, So this is beating the game as thoroughly as possible, completing the game in its entirety, achieving all bonus content, seeing everything. Okay, so the theme park version of that might be someone who wants to ride every ride in the park? I or... want to put the rides aside for a second because okay. I, I think what the achievers get out of it is a sense of completion. Uh, a sense of having known and understood the entire thing. And what's interesting about theme parks is that they are uh, spatial and temporal in ways that video games aren't, right? So... They exist as a place in space, and they exist as moments in time. So what Bartle calls achievers, I'm calling collectors, because collectors want to uh, take home as much of the park as they can. Uh, They're interested in completing the park through proving that they've done it. Okay, that makes Uh, sense. Right, and and we can we can get to ride all the rides uh, soon, but uh, I think a theme park collector, uh, somebody with a large pin collection, or somebody who has to have every popcorn bucket, uh, is much more like a video game achiever. Somebody who is 
uh, more closely connected with the task of having everything in the game. Um, so it's it's more about like kind of possession of the park and connection with it that way. Sure, that makes sense. If the achiever is going after the big platinum trophy, the collector might be searching for, say, that one really great, um, a really rare collector's item, uh, a, a display or a piece of art or something. Right. Um, one of my proudest collector things that I have from the theme parks is a misprinted pin that uh, misspells the word Matterhorn. Ooh. Or I think it misspells bobsleds. I'd have to look at it again. But it misspells <laughs> something in Matterhorn bobsleds. Uh, and only about 200 of these exist in the world. And wow. one of them is mine. And so, like, <laughs> that that piece of satisfaction that I have, that, that, like, owning of the part of the history and the rareness of it and all of that is... Um, is my collector side. Uh, the, when, I, when I'm feeling that, that is the sort of theme park guest that I am. Cool. I get yeah. that. Okay, so so let's move on to Socializer. Got it. Okay, a Socializer uh, in Bartle's taxonomy is uh, more about connecting to other players. Uh, so you go there to, uh, you know, you, you go into the World of Warcraft and you role play. And you're like, forsooth, fellow adventurers. We must raid the dungeon so that we can all get the loot drop and save, uh, what is the name of the Warcraft world, the world of Warcraft? Azeroth. Yes, that's what it is. Oh, save cool. Azeroth. you knew that. <laughs> yes. Um, that is, that is your socializer. It's somebody who's interested in the social experience and reaching out to others and connecting with them there. And I think this is actually a little bit more complicated for theme parks because theme parks are not completely a place where you go to play a role and hang out with a bunch of strangers. No. They are not that. Not necessarily. They are a place where you take friends or family and you relax. Like, for many people, a theme park is about having quality time with others. Sure. Yeah, you you go together as a family, you you know, ride rides and and bond. Yeah. And so I think that's your socializer for a theme park. It's somebody who is more concerned with the experience of being together with people they care about um, and sharing an experience collectively. Uh, Yeah. And that's that's a really big priority for a lot of folks who end up at theme parks. Uh, And to such an extent that you know, if something goes wrong, we might hear from a socializer type player trying to um, fix their family vacation, right? Like, oh, you said that this would be like this, but this was closed, so you got to make it right. And that's where people <laughs> get emotionally caught up in this. So okay. socializers, I would say, are definitely the most emotionally connected to the parks, um, where it, there there's almost a more um, methodical or a colder way of enjoying them from some of the other ones. Got it. Which which does bring us to the next one. Uh, let's talk about explorers. Okay, explorers. Well, we've used the word explore or exploration when talking about theme parks lots of times. We have a whole episode dedicated to it, really. Sure. Uh, adventure, exploration, and magic. Yeah. So explorers are interested in the theme parks for their atmosphere. 
they for for Bartle explorers were about discovering uh, areas that they weren't supposed to find or uncovering the entire map. Easter or eggs. jumping in such a way so as they could get on the roof or whatever. Or, yeah, finding the Easter eggs and uh, hunting for glitches and stuff like that. Cool. Uh, for Duquesne, uh, the explorer is more interested in the hidden Mickey. Uh, oh. The explorer is more interested in sitting on Main Street and feeling transported. Uh, the explorer wants to uh, find every little nook and cranny and really experience the park as designed uh, to the greatest depth that they can. Uh, an explorer might also, taken to an unhealthy degree, uh, go backstage and uh, get photos of deserted areas and things like that. Oh. Um, so so that that urge to explore and know all of the space of a place an explorer might throw out the map that they get at the front gate because what they really want to do is find their way around the theme park um that makes it, sense yeah an explorer is a little bit more loosey-goosey a little bit more roll with it you know they want to be whisked away with that sen sense of adventure and theme parks are a great way to explore that idea Sure. <laughs> because they are a constructed space that tells a story. So right. explorers want to experience that story as well. This is the one that I've uh, I've connected with the most so far. I think I might be an explorer. But uh, I haven't heard Challenger yet, so. <laughs> so let's talk let's talk about Challenger so that we can uh, diagnose. Okay. <laughs> so this is what Bartle calls killers. Um, and a killer is somebody who uh, thrives on competition with other players. Uh, is interested in being the best at the game. Uh, in a single-player game, they want to beat every boss. In a multiplayer game, they want to climb the leaderboard. Uh, in a theme park, we don't want anyone to die. <laughs> no. We also don't often find ourselves in competition with others, uh, with with a few exceptions. Sure, um, like when are... I beat you at Buzz Lightyear Astro Blasters. Okay, killer, slow down. <laughs> Uh, but but often I think the the kind of visceral thrill of the theme park is on the attractions, and so I've I've chosen to replace Killer with Challenger because a Challenger wants to ride every ride, including the tallest, the fastest, the scariest. Oh. Uh, they are a uh, they are somebody who is concerned with the thrills. Uh, more than anything else. So if we think about it that way, a challenger might be the sort of person who does a ride every ride challenge or who attempts to stay on the teacups as long as they can before somebody kicks them off so <laughs> that they can try and get sick or something like that. Taken to an unhealthy degree, a challenger might uh, push themselves beyond what they normally would to prove a point. Like, ah, look how tough I am. I'm, I've been on this ride for so long and I haven't even blacked out. Um, <laughs> and that could be really bad. So the one thing that I want to emphasize in this taxonomy, and Alice, I, I forgot to mention at the beginning of this, I've said taxonomy 500 times. <laughs> taxonomy is just a way to say a, a way of categorizing things. Oh, okay. That's just so. a, It's just a fancy word for categorizing. 
Okay. Uh, so, I like taxonomy. I like taxonomy as well. Um, the thing about this taxonomy is that nobody falls squarely into one category. Uh, Alice, you were saying that you resonate deeply with Explorer, but I'm sure mm-hmm. you've had collector moments. Sure. I, I have a, a small pin collection. Yeah. Uh, I've got a couple more maps. Um than I probably should have. <laughs> <laughs> and you've definitely had socializer moments uh, because I've been there for those. Yes, yes, I like to go with friends. Uh, and you've definitely had challenger moments. Oh yeah, I am absolutely uh, about to try and ride the biggest roller coasters that I could possibly find in the world. And it turns out the most times you can ride Jurassic Park River is Adventure in one day is nine. times in a row. <laughs> That's when they ask before, you to stop. Before they make you leave. Um, <laughs> so... You know, we we have all been one of these or multiple of these at the same time, um, multiple times in our visits to theme parks. Sure. But I think what makes it an interesting like thought experiment and what makes the categories interesting is that theme parks are very specifically designed to appeal to each of these four kinds of visitors. And also that those design elements are at their most effective when they gel, uh, when they mix together, when they appeal to more than one at a time. But they aren't necessarily um, conducive to that. So, for example, you've ridden uh, Rise of the Resistance at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, uh, the planet of Batu. Um, Big fan. I talk all about it in our most recent Patreon exclusive minisode. Yeah, uh, and and you do a great job describing it, and you have absolutely blown my mind. Uh, <laughs> and now I haven't ridden it yet, but from what I hear, the queue is amazing. It's very good. There are many details and little stories everywhere. Yes. I also hear that the ride is quite thrilling. It is. I also hear that the ride is quite exclusive. Yes. And it's difficult to ride. It is. As of now, anyway. (laughs) Also hear that people leave that ride having felt like they shared a special experience. That's also true. Whoa. So you, the explorer, were drawn to the ride because of the atmosphere in the world. Mm -hmm. Your challenger side was thrilled by the ride and the ride system. Yes. Your collector side was like, ooh, I got to do this special thing. (laughs) true your socializer side was like i can't believe we all got through that together and we are stronger for it you're totally right absolutely (laughs) (laughs) wow and and so that makes for a really really uh cohesive experience compare that to a supreme scream at knott's berry farm i love just just to name one uh supreme scream at knott's berry farm for me is strictly a challenger type experience right you're not a fan of these outside drop rides no uh so when i see it i think that ride is a challenge to my ability to ride it and i can either be up to the challenge or not and i'm not so i don't ride it (laughs) fair enough now if i wrote it maybe it could become a social experience because you could be like don't worry, we're going to get you through this. And I could be like, <laughs> I can't believe we got through this. <laughs> right. A bonding experience. But I really feel like it, it's stronger uh, challenger energy than socializer energy. 
And I think there's even there's even some purposefulness to that because the ride is named Supreme Scream. Like, right. it's, it's got like a scary to, name. Right, it's supposed <laughs> to sound challenging. Yeah. Uh, and and so that, you know, there, there are t-shirts that are sold at theme parks all over the world that say, I survived. <laughs> That's and true. The I title survived a... <laughs> Supreme Scream, Ghost Rider, Tatsu, Goliath. Uh, those are just big roller coasters on this coast. <laughs> so you you survived a ride that millions of people ride every year. <laughs> or maybe not millions, but, you know, thousands. Uh, so the Challenger thing is it's important to make this distinction that a theme park Challenger is a thrill seeker but it is a simulated thrill just like Bartle's killers weren't actually murderers <laughs> um and i think you know to to kind of draw a comparison back to the simulation and the simulacra episode five um so so are all of these things like right what's interesting about the theme park experience is that by design it enables these behaviors and by design it appeals to these behaviors but they are designed and simulated and built right they never relinquish control over the experience that you're having right um and and we've talked about control as well um and i think that's where maybe a challenger and an explorer might feel uh, most gratified is like the ability to go look and uh, find and experience and and feel like you're in control of that. Um, where a socializer and a collector are more along for the ride. They want things to be built for them. A little less active. That makes sense. So with all of that said, um, are you still saying you're an explorer? <clears throat> With all of that said, yeah, I think if I have to pick one, uh, I think that I would identify most with Explorer because I we've talked about this before, but um, I really enjoy when we're able to uh, walk around that cor- that one corner. I talk about this all the time, that one corner in Universal Studios that one time and we found a museum that we had never seen before that, that nobody was else was in experiencing that with us. Yeah. And... I guess maybe some of that was social, absolutely, because we experienced that together. Um, But I think a big part of it was um, I was, you know, boldly going where no one's gone before, right? Like, I'm I'm like, like, get to explore this part of the park where nobody is and, and maybe we were not allowed back here and stuff like that. That made me feel like, like thrilled, like excited to experience the theme park. Oh, and yeah. I just said thrilled, which sounds like I'm I'm saying that I wanted to challenge, but <laughs> um, which is again, I guess I just and and collector, which is like the exclusivity of the thing. <laughs> but, yeah, so there's there's overlap in in anything that you describe. But to me, the 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 true joy of it and what I get out of telling that story is the act of of well, we've been here before and we know this, we know what this is supposed to be oh, look over here, look around this corner, what's this? Or, like, that day that I spent by myself at uh, Universal Studios Orlando, and I spent, like, three or four hours in Diagon Alley by myself, just 
walking to each and every single storefront to see if any of the doors would open, to see if there was something hidden behind this corner that would lead me to something hidden. And that was one of my all-time favorite park-going experiences. Didn't you end up in... Uh, a secret alley in Diagon well, Alley at one point? Well, it was Nocturne Alley, um, which I had been to Diagon Alley before and did not notice that Nocturne Alley was there. Um, I don't. We were so busy trying to get on the ride and, and being social, which is great, and we had a great time all together. But when I got to be an explorer, I was like, wait a minute, that's not just a sign for Nocturne Alley. There's like an actual hallway that leads back there. And I found a shop and some... Um, some cool, you know, interactive wand stuff back there that I didn't know was there before. That's and pretty great. It was wonderful. That was an absolute highlight of the day. And yeah, that that to me is why I like to go to a theme park multiple times. Yeah. If it was just one visit to a theme park, one visit one time to a theme park, I think I would be social. I'd be there like, if this is my only chance to be here, I'm going to enjoy it with the people I'm with. Right. But stop stop worrying so much about how you can interact with the world and start interacting with other people and letting the world act upon that. Yeah, coming up with stories that we could tell and jokes that we can share and, and stuff like that. Oh, remember that time when we, you know, you and I do that a lot. All the time. Um, but, I mean, the, gosh, this whole dang podcast is dedicated <laughs> to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, But, yeah, but multiple, I think the that the Explorer... Um, benefits from multiple visits to the same park. Annual pass holders, I feel like, are either collectors or explorers, right? Yeah, I would say that an annual pass holder uh, tends to err towards collector, um, but may have their annual pass for any of the reasons, right? Mm -hmm. You could say that the theme park becomes their main social space and they meet friends there and they hang out there. You could say that they like the thrills, so they are challenger-based. Or they are here for the exclusive merch, so they are collector-based. Or they want to know every inch of the park as best they can. Uh, a, a badge of pride that I used to wear, wear myself about Disneyland, right? Oh, mm -hmm. no, no, let's not go that way. Let's go the back way. I know the back way. I know a better <laughs> path. Um, yes. Yes. Yeah. And, and that that feeling of knowing the place and knowing its secrets and knowing its inner workings is definitely a very explorer trait that I feel sometimes. Yeah. So what do what you identify it... with? <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I lean towards explorer uh, and I think I have a little bit more socializer and a little bit more collector than you might have. Okay. Um, Challenger is is probably my weakest trait. Uh, oh man! And I I love rides, and I love rides that make me feel like an explorer. Oh, you know what okay. I mean? So so rides that are more dedicated to an experience and the details and the little things. Uh, even thrilling rides, if they incorporate those little details, they become much much more palatable and much more attuned to my tastes. So, uh, for example, don't like Supreme Scream, never liked the Malaboomer, <laughs> love Tower of Terror and Mission Breakout. Okay. And the yeah. reason is because I'm a stronger explorer than I am a challenger. That makes perfect sense. I'm, I, I like the challenge. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so we're very so, different, you and I. <laughs> we're not so different, you and I, though. So... <laughs> 
this this whole thing is important to theme parks the for the same reason that bartle taxonomy is uh important to games and what i'm getting at here is that bartle noticed that all these kinds of players existed and that keeping them in balance and appealing to all of them made the games more popular more accessible and more robust the same thing happens with theme park guests if a challenger and a socializer and a collector and an explorer aren't all appealed to the theme park feels weaker as a whole uh to give you an example of that let's talk about six flags sure is an explorer happy at six flags probably not almost never <laughs> is there much to collect there that is worthwhile not as much a socializer could be very happy if they are there with the right people exactly a challenger could be very happy there because those are challenging rides rides that ask you to dare yourself to go on them but without the stories and the environments and the uh, idea of collecting the history and being part of it the parks don't feel complete and if any of those categories is weaker than the others you can see how there it creates an imbalance and the parks are just not as strong as they could be uh and i think universal studios is a good example of how that balance can be affected very very quickly in very dramatic ways right right uh, with the addition of the Wizarding World of Harry Potter on both coasts, adding that huge explorable area and the density of it all, uh, truly increasing the appeal for explorers. Right. Where Universal Studios was a very finite, knowable, kind of boring walking experience for much of its history. It was not not so explorer-friendly. It was right. a very collector-friendly Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's lots of knickknacks and tchotchkes you can buy from Universal. <laughs> that, and I, I think the collector, like you said, the collector values, if it's not a thing, they they, they value an exclusive experience. Mm -hmm. The studio tour was made for that, right? Yes. Like, this uh, is your exclusive visit backstage to see things that no one gets to see unless you're here. Anything that, that offers an insider look or a peek behind the curtain uh, yeah. it would be very appealing to a collector. Uh, so, yes, I agree. Um, Universal Studios almost uh, tells a lie about how good it is for collectors, right? Like, this <laughs> is your true. chance to see how movies are made. And, like, it happens every 15 minutes and everybody go goes on this ride. But <laughs> it feels like a collectible experience. It does. And uh, I, I went on and on about how to make that collectible experience even better in our 40th anniversary special. Yeah, so if you want, you could go back and listen to that. It was it's one been of my a very plug-heavy episode. I love that. I <laughs> love that been. about us. <laughs> um, so, Alice, do you have any questions, comments, or concerns about the Duquesne taxonomy of theme park goers? I have just one question. Yes. Uh, how can we put this idea into the mouths and minds of everyone in America? Please retweet. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really like it. I think this is a, a, really, a, a really good way to to lay it out and to talk about the um the like um xy axis we were talking about before which we can post an image of on on twitter at happy places pod um 
the the x-axis uh, between on the on Bartle text on the Bartle taxonomy is uh, to the left is players and to the right is world. And so in and, and this is the thing that 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 people want to interact with. Do you want to interact with other players? Um, or do you want to interact with the world around you? And so when you're in the in the theme park, I think um, socializers and challengers want to interact with um, other players or just players in general or other visitors. That's I mean, socializers, obviously, but challengers in a little different way. It becomes like a like a game or like a like a competition who can ride the biggest ride, who can, um, uh, you know, ride the big ride the most times in a row um, like that. And so that becomes interaction with other players, uh, other, other visitors. Um, so that's what like the challenger and the uh, and the socializers have in common. Whereas on the other side, collectors and explorers um, are more interested not in other people, but in the world around them, in the theme park itself. And right. um, and so that you know you've got those similarities between those two. Whereas on the other side, on the y-axis, when it's interacting on one side and acting on the other, the socializers. And the explorers are the ones that have that in common. They want to uh, interact with the with the theme park um, as it is. They want to uh, to explore it. They want to be in it. They want to be in it and happy, like the socializers. Um, and and the ones who want to act on it, the challengers and the collectors, they want to have an effect on. Um, not not necessarily on the theme park, but they want it's a different kind of interaction with the theme park um, where it's about their um, their like personal experience and their exclusive experience. And that's what they have in common. Right. So so it's so do I get it? <laughs> yes, it's it's pretty easy to understand when people say Bartle taxonomy. It's like what the heck are you talking about? And it's just like, we, we can very easily see the different behaviors that are appealed to by this kind of environment. And that's all we're talking about here. Uh, but Alice, I would like to invite you, if you will, uh, to step into my office. <gasps> An office trip? Oh, yes. boy. Yeah. So if you, if you just follow me uh, this way. Sure. And uh, I'll close the door. Okay. Wow, uh, I really like what you've done with the place. Yeah, it might look a little familiar to you, actually, because uh, I have rebuilt my diorama of Duquesne's Mad Labyrinth. Oh, there it is right there. Oh, it's, it looks so good. Yeah, it's much bigger and much better. And uh, it contains uh, appeals to all of the four categories of the Duquesne taxonomy of theme park guests. Oh, boy. And I'm not spiraling into madness, Alice. Why would you say that? <laughs> I mean, Matt calling it Duquesne's Mad Labyrinth. Is I don't a, know is what you're talking pretty about. Good, uh, pretty uh, good example of so that. So anyways, <laughs> uh, in Duquesne's Mad Labyrinth, players can advance uh, by either uh, forging connections with others and moving forward through team-based activities. Okay. Uh, they can advance by challenging themselves to rigorous physical activity that also uh, puts them through da very dangerous uh, traps and pitfalls. 
Oh boy. Uh, they could also, uh, you know, purchase certain items that will allow them to advance through the labyrinth towards- And they get to keep and collect those items? Of course, of course. And, and, and you know, everything everything is in a souvenir mug. Oh, good. <laughs> uh, that, that will allow them to advance to their goals or, and this is my favorite part, by noticing details, they can uh, advance through the labyrinth uh, simply by finding the uh, solutions to puzzles uh, strewn about the place. And oh. my labyrinth is very fair to all forms of theme park guests. Uh, I see. But nobody has survived uh, long enough in the labyrinth to get to the final room, which is a gift shop. <laughs> uh, and... You know, Wait, the, when you say nobody has survived, what are what are you talking about? Who are you testing on? What? Never mind. We'll discuss this another <laughs> time. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, so, anyways, uh, I, I just wanted to show this to you and and uh, ask you what what, what do you think? Uh, have I have I struck a balance uh, under under my own conditions for the taxonomy here? Well, um. I mean, yeah, I really like how uh, over here in this corner, um, uh, challengers can either um, dare themselves to to climb uh, climb over the wall, um, or they, if they were explorers, they would have found the secret hidden button that opens the wall. I'm glad you um, noticed that. Yeah. Uh huh. It's very good. Um, uh, and the um, collectors may have uh, already found the um, the item that uh, the um, the little figurine with a key hidden inside of it that would open the open the door in it's the wall. It's also available at the gift shop in also the front available. of the store. Uh, and the uh, socializers could what could what could the socializers do to get through? Well, nobody has ever survived long enough to form a real friendship, so... Oh, okay. Well, I guess uh, I guess the socializers would, uh, if they make it through to the end, have a, uh, a wonderful uh, story to tell and bond over in the future. <laughs> yeah, the, you know, one of the products I offer at the gift shop is an I Survive t-shirt of oh, Dupin's good. Mad Labyrinth. Uh, You've sold none. <laughs> again, unpurchased by anyone. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and you know, to to kind of break character and end the the mad scientist shtick. Um, really, when we're thinking about designing theme parks, uh, we should be considering this aspect of game design. I think because when when we have all of these options and these different ways to achieve things, not only does it ensure a a fulfilling experience for multiple kinds of guests, but it also allows for repeatable experiences that open up and reveal new depths every time you go through them. Kind of like uh, replaying a video game, first just to beat it and know the story, then to complete it and get the trophy and see everything, and then going online to share that experience, um, and then uh, playing it on ultra hard mode. <laughs> oh, okay. That makes sense. Right? Uh, and and by by opening up those possibilities uh writing pirates of the caribbean once just to know the story writing it again to see where the hidden mickeys are writing it again to see if you can really for like force the the cast members to let you go a third time <laughs> <laughs> and then writing it a fourth time to say hey i hold a record for most times kicked off of pirates of the caribbean in one day <laughs> Um, and, 
<laughs> and to have that story. And so, you know, that's part of what makes theme parks so wonderful is that we can design these experiences or discover them for ourselves. And I am just really excited about this idea that I am really glad I could share with everyone. I'm really glad that you shared this with me. And I, I, I mean, I'm, I had never heard of, of Bartle before and I, um, didn't really understand it before we started this episode, but um, I think the Duquesne uh, taxonomy uh, should be in every textbook forever. Uh, hear that? Textbooks? <laughs> that one's not free. Duquesne taxonomy. TM, 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 TM. <laughs> Credit Buddy Duquesne for that. And uh, um, yeah, it's it's perfect. I love it. Thank you. Well, Alice, it sounds like our discussion of the Duquesne taxonomy of theme park guests, TM, TM, NC, and R, uh, <laughs> has come to an end. But the conversation does continue online. Yes, of course it continues online. Uh, as I've mentioned twice already, we are on Twitter at Happy Places Pod, and you can find us individually on Twitter as well. I'm on Twitter and on Instagram at Alice White THP, which stands for Those Happy Places. And I'm at Buddy underscore Duquesne. Duquesne is spelled D U Q U E S N E. That's the same spelling as the Duquesne taxonomy of theme park guests. So yes, if you course. know about the concept, you know how to find my name. Um, <laughs> Uh, and Alice, uh, as I live and breathe, I believe I will add some music to this episode. Oh, well, would you have gotten that music from our good old friend, Kevin McLeod? Uh, yes, the friend of podcasters and YouTubers alike, Kevin McLeod of the Free Music Archive, makes all of his music available under a Creative Commons 4.0 attribution license, which simply requires that we say thank you to him at the end of the episode. So thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Kevin. Please visit Incompetech.com for direct access to his music. Yes, of course. And speaking of music, I think I hear our theme music ramping up. Is that the sweet sound? Of Golden Gate by the California Feet Warmers featuring Phil Alvin? It sure is. You can find this and all their other amazing tracks at thecaliforniafeetwarmers.com. Uh, and Alice, as we wrap up, I would just like to say thank you for going along on Duquesne's Wild Ride. <laughs> I love it. And I could not think of a better person to, uh, to be hosting this podcast with me. Uh, and to everyone out there, thank you for listening, and we hope you return to those happy places. 